<laughs> and we're live. Hendo. Good to be here, lads. AKA the Flamingo, AKA Jackie Legs. This is a very professional setup. Right. I'm very impressed. Thank you, my friend. You're sitting there holding the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, boys. Welcome to both sides of the fence. Uh, mate, thanks for jumping on. No worries, um, boys. Second time having you on, our only repeat mm. guest. So, mate, special. We've done awesome. something right to come on twice. Well, mate, power of branding. <laughs> what happens when you want to work with the best, you know? Amazing. All the other guests were practiced for the second. <laughs> <laughs> the confidence. Mate, um, let's just cra- let's just start it off. We're at the Star Casino in, um, in Sydney at the moment. Um, you've got the Bull, Bull Rush Rally. Mm. Mate, give us a bit of background on what this is and what's going on. So, mate, it's a uh, it's a supercar rally from this time. It's from Sydney to the Gold Coast. Ah, uh, Sydney to Brisbane. Sorry, um, it's essentially fifty supercars, about a hundred people, two per two people per car. Yeah. Um, and naturally, it's people who are passionate about cars, and and you know, the lowest price car in event. I see this is probably mine. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what level are we talking? If you don't mind sharing. Oh, you know, like Ferraris, Lamborghinis, McLarens, can R8? Porsche, GT3, R8s. Yeah, actually R8s probably the lowest price car. <laughs> and you've got Aventadors out there too, not just not just not standard Lambos, you've got Aventadors there yeah, too. Yeah, crazy. Exactly. And, and the good thing about an event like this is naturally if you've got the capacity to spend that sort of money on a car, mm. um, you know, you, you're doing well mm. commercially. So... Um, not only is it an awesome event, mm. you know, to have a lot of fun, but it's also a great networking event. And mm. I did the one at the start of the year, um, you know, and off the back of that, I met some incredible people and, and we actually got some business off the back of it in terms of clients. So yep. um, that's ROI positive. Yeah. So this is why you're doing it mainly, g- g- networking and using it as leverage. Yeah, and I like cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah like of course. Yeah. So yeah, like, the, you know, if, if it didn't have a commercial benefit to it, I would find it more challenging to have five days off work than yep. to... Well, off work in quotation marks then if it you know because it does i can substantiate it better in my head to say hey you know i'm 99.9 percent gonna meet someone that you know Mm. will help me on my journey or that they'll become a client so the Mm. money that i spent to be here will have a return on it plus i get to have fun along the way is it invite only uh no you can anyone can do it yeah but you know, if you had a Camry, <laughs> <laughs> might not fit in. Yeah. Supercharged Camry, bit of NOS. Yeah. So, um, JDM. Yeah. It's, and it's a good way to, you know, to meet people because it's not just Sydney based people. So, the last time we did it was Melbourne to Adelaide. Yeah. So, you know, you've got people from all over Australia and, um, you know, it's good to, good to grow your network from people who are not just Sydney based because the reality is most people, um, you know, if, if, if you're in business, mm. you know a lot of the local personalities mm. in your area, whether you're friends with them or not, you know who they are. Mm. Whereas if you go interstate or internationally, you, you don't know a lot of people. So, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's great to get out there. So, in terms of networking, <laughs> today, Junior, mate, I, mate, you've. <laughs> What's wrong? I've, I stumped you. Come stump. on, mate. Let's go. Let's go. God I'm pretty damn. experienced at this. God damn. Mate, I've, I, it's, in terms of networking, I've seen you at a uh, recent... Was it a charity dinner? Was that a, was that a charity not dinner? Not the wedding or? we're talking about. No, no, no. no, no, no not, not the wedding. Maybe like a couple of months ago. Um, Some event? Dinner? Networking event? Yeah, so I'm in a, I'm in a organization what, EO? called EO. Yeah. yeah. So um, that is... Again, it's a... It's a, it's a um, a business group that has qualifications to it and is essentially invite only. So you have mm. to have a certain turnover, a certain staff count, you know, a certain 
Yep. Um, Certain dick size. Yeah. <laughs> Something like and that. And mine is one of the smallest in, <laughs> in that room. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and that is essentially um, much more business focused on, you know, growth as an individual and growth as, uh, as a business owner. Um, so we have essentially a forum, which is the same six to eight people that we catch up with once a month. It's a very structured meeting. And the whole idea of EO is to um, leave the 99% of shit that you talk to everyone about and yeah. go to EO forum meetings with the 1% of stuff that you talk to no one about. So, mm. you know, I've only been in EO for about a year now, just over a year. Um, and I'm just starting to get in the groove of it. But, yeah. you know, some forums have been together for 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah. And, you know, these forum members would probably be closer to each other than most husband and wives or partners. Um, Is that right? Yeah, because, you know, in, in they talk about the 1% of their whole life, not just business. So it's, you know, hypothetically, I don't know, you've got relationship problems or, you know, you're having an affair or... Can your business is going to shit and you're about to go bankrupt and you've got to tell all your staff this week that you're not going to make payroll. Like you wouldn't mm. tell anyone else that stuff. And the whole idea mm. is you go to these forum meetings and the reality is most people who are in business at a certain level all face the same problems just wrapped mm. differently. Um, you know, so you, you go to these meetings and you share all of this stuff and in, in EO you can't give people advice or you mm. can't share your opinion. Mm. You're only allowed to share from experience. So, for example, if I said, um, you know, it, it's it's very structured, but the whole it, it's personal business community, and uh, one more I can't remember the other one. Um, so, you know, if I was going personal, I would rate my personal life for the month at say seven, and we go through and say, well, um, you know, this month, you know, I had I had something happen, um, I did something that I shouldn't have done, for example, blah blah. blah. Oh. So the other people in the forum at the end can't say, oh, well, mate, you should have done this. Yeah, you know they can only say, um, "Well, Jack, when I went through something similar, which was X, Y, and Z, this is how I dealt with it." Wow. Yeah. So it, you know, you're sharing. That's from, powerful. That yeah. is pretty powerful because I noticed just observing working alongside you that being in a leadership role you're in, it's actually can be quite isolating, where you're not sharing some of those thoughts. You may be going internally because you are looked at as the role model who others look to to lead for leadership. Mm. How have you juggled? transitioning into that leadership role quite early on with managing that that overwhelming stress and and problems you have to deal with internally so dealing with the problems i'm okay at like i'm very self-sufficient and very self-confident so i don't need anyone else's confidence to be able to say yeah i'm doing the right thing or the wrong thing the Mm. thing that i struggle with the most is oversharing with people so um, naturally I try and tell people everything and that, you know, a lot of the time bites you on the ass. Mm. So um, what, what I struggle with is uh, parting friendships and, and you know, being a business leader because a lot of the time you shouldn't share your business problems or struggles and stuff with people that it's going to affect. Mm. Um, and, you know, then everyone's got an opinion and, you know, people, some people who are uncomfortable and it's not just people who are inside the company, it's also people outside of the company as well. Like, cause mm. you've got like your friendship, which you can share, you know, your personal stuff, but then you've also got a business to run and, mm. um, yeah, it's all, it's all learning. And I've done a lot of that over the last year. That's for sure. <laughs> good, good, good. Mate, how much would you attribute, um, the certain amount of success down to your actual going out and networking and getting out there? Everything. Everything. Yeah, the only reason that I'm in the position I am is because of the people I know. Yeah. Yeah, for, for, for a few different reasons. One of the big reasons is because you're learning from people who have been there and done it, which is one of the things that I 
you know, I'm huge about. That's why I didn't like school because I looked at school teachers at, you know, you're a person earning $60,000 a year, driving a shit car, you know, coming to a job most of the time that you hate, you know, mm. um, which is probably not the right way to look at it because they're there mm. to teach you about certain things. But that's how I've always been. So I don't listen to the opinions of people who um, have done fuck all in their life. Mm. Um, or, you know, I don't listen to the opinions of people who um, should look in the mirror, you know, like... <laughs> Something recently, <laughs> something happened recently that, you know, I did that was wrong and, you know, everyone loves throwing shit at a, at a board, right, hoping something would stick. But, you know, what I did was wrong, sure, but then if those people stood and looked to themselves in the mirror at all the things that they do in their life, mm. you know, people in glass houses shouldn't throw rocks. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think surrounding yourself with people who, you know, there's the saying which you shouldn't be the smartest person in the room. So mm. a lot of the time I'm the dumbest person in the room, but then I get into other rooms and I feel like the smartest or I get mm. looked at like the smartest and that's because I hang out with people who are much smarter mm. than me and who have done much more than me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's 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 a game changer being able to... Yeah. Who taught you this? Um, I think, like, it was probably self-taught in a way because, but uh, on accident because I... Firstly, wanted just wanted to be around people with money, not consciously going, oh, this person must know a lot of stuff. I just wanted to be around rich people and always gravitated towards like, you know, my dad's old boss who was the richest person that we knew. He had a huge civil earth moving company and I always wanted to be around him because he had money, right? Had a BMW and, you know, had a lot of cool shit. So I'd go and work for him in the school holidays, get paid for it, obviously. So it was a job, but I'd want to work with him and, you know. um, What did he do? When the bosses, uh, he had a huge civil earth moving company, so. The company was called um, Hill Brothers, which was like the biggest company that built the um, Olympics and shit like that in Sydney when, when they come. So, um, and then, you know, I've always wanted to be around the bosses of, of you know, any company that I've worked at and I've always been intrigued about how they got to where they were. And, mm. um, and then as it started to transition into property, you know, I met Chris Gray, who's actually on the Bull Rush Rally. Um, from there, you know, I met people around him and then like naturally as you get older and you just start to do it more consciously, mm. um, you know, you start to understand. And uh, Steve Jobs said in, in one of his talks before he died that he, he did to um, one of the universities in the US, he said, when you reflect back on your journey, it's much easier to join the dots, you know, like, you know, mm. you can look back and go, fuck, well, the reason this happened is because I met this person and done this. You know, and you get, now I do it more consciously in a way like, you know, if I go to this media or if I meet this person, you know, that conversation may lead to X, Y, and Z. Where before I was just doing it unconsciously and it just happened to be a positive outcome at the end of it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It- Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how do you, um, <laughs> you, you're a super busy dude. Uh, I see you obviously being able to get away and do trips to New Zealand and Dubai and obviously being able to do bull, a bull rush rally and all mm. these sorts of cool stuff. How do you manage all of this while running a, a successful business? Well, it's, everything's done by the phone now. The best thing to happen to COVID is I don't meet anyone face to face. At all? Yeah, like well, unless Perry tells people to come to my office, which I hate. <laughs> <laughs> Perry. He booked another one in today. Yeah, so like everything's done via... Um, the phone so like i can talk to the whole team we have an eight o'clock team meeting which we all do via zoom anyway so whether i'm in the office or whether i'm not in the office doesn't matter and then all of our meetings you know when we're pitching for new business is all done via Mm. teams or zoom so i can be anywhere and do that 
I've just got to be, you know, smart about how I structure my meetings. So like when I'm on this thing, the meetings have to be before 10 or after five because yeah. we'll be driving during the day. And even when I'm driving, I can take phone calls, right? Yeah. Same in New Zealand. New Zealand's only a two hour time difference mm. and it was two hours ahead. Mm. So I would get up in the morning, like when I went to New Zealand, I'd be able to get up and do, you know, a lot of shit before 10 in New Zealand. And then it was only mm. eight o'clock back in Sydney. Then I'd do the team meeting and, mm. you know, be able to do a few bits and bobs and then the same thing in the night I'd, I'd have meetings. So, um how do you manage that with having a partner that's traveling with you? Uh, she doesn't travel everywhere with me. Yeah. Um, like she didn't come to New Zealand. Oh, she, well, we went, when we went away on a holiday, she, obviously we went together. Yep. But when I went most recently with EO, she didn't come. Yep. Um, yeah. It's, I don't know. It is what it is, right? You wouldn't be on the holiday if I wasn't in business. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that's, that's the reality right. of it. Um, but again, it's like, it's... Um, it's again like if i'm gonna say something else that i learned from someone else like jack daly i just had him on my podcast last week and one of the things he was he was talking about to me and i think about things like i hear a lot of shit and then like i think about things a lot and like you know internalize them um hence there is not always like learning from people like i do the podcast for my selfish benefit for no not anyone else's i want to yeah. learn from people and i actually do learn so much from them um so jack was talking about his life and you know, built this incredible business. He had 2,700 salespeople working underneath him. Sheesh. I have about 10 and I fucking want to pull my hair out. He had 2,700. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and naturally, growing that size of a company, you can imagine the time it takes up, right? And then also had two or three kids along the way. And we were talking through the podcast and I'd, I'd seen him once before at an EO event. And he said... Um, like he spoke nothing about fitness at all in, the, in in that part of his life. And then he said, oh, and then when I got to 43 or 48, I can't remember what age it was. Um, I started to to get into marathons and I've, I've ran now, he's ran 100 marathons and it was like 74 or something. And he said, I didn't know how to swim until I was 48. And when I learned how to swim, then I started doing Ironmans. And I asked the question, I said, how come... Um, how come it's only later in your life that you, you know, got really passionate or, or really serious about fitness and you didn't, um, you, you didn't really talk about it much earlier in your life? And he said, well, because you, you can never do everything at once. You always have to sacrifice, right? So, yeah. um, you know, you can't have a great family life. You can't run a company with, you know, if you had 2,700 salespeople, you probably had 3,000 staff. Um, you can't have a great fitness you know, mm. regime, a great diet, have a balanced life. It's just like not reality, right? So you have to prioritize prioritize things. So for Jack early in his life, his priority was to grow the biggest business he could grow and to be a good dad. Mm. So fitness wasn't a big deal to him naturally, right? Because you didn't want to fit that in. And then as his kids got older, he didn't need to be in the business as much. He had more free time and that's how he chose, um, you know, to start getting more passionate about fitness. And the reason I say that is because, you know, like, if you want to have a great business and a great life, like financially, have a have a you know cool life, you know naturally you're not going to be able to have six hours of time every night with your partner mm. to lay on the lounge and watch Netflix, or you know every weekend free, or to go on holidays and not have to be on your phone, right? Like we can all be better at it for sure. Like I'm the worst person ever on my phone, like. If I'm, I don't like talking to someone or I get bored, I just the first thing I do, not even consciously, is grab my phone and yeah. you know start doing something. Um, but it's it's all like you know working out what the priorities are. So my priority in my life right now is to grow the biggest business I can grow, and um, you know to be the best partner I can be, and to be the best person I can be. So hmm. you know they're the three biggest things, and when one of them becomes less important, I worry about something else. What do you feel you've had to sacrifice 
in mm. attaining that? That's a good question. Nothing. <clears throat> I heard a podcast this morning. <laughs> Fuck. My whole life is just like, I heard this, I heard this, I heard this. So I listened to a podcast this morning on the way from Newcastle to Sydney. Um, and, you know, this dude was young, had a business that was doing 60 odd million dollars a year in, in rev. And he just kept on saying, oh, I sacrifice so much. I sacrifice so much. I sacrifice so much. And, you know, in my head, I was like, oh, sacrifice, sacrifice. And I thought about it. And I'm like, I can sacrifice. We don't sacrifice anything. Like, we live in an incredible country. We have the opportunity to, mm. you know, grow businesses and have freedom and have the financial capacity to do so. Like, sure, you sacrifice not going to a club one weekend out of four. You only went three weeks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not really sacrifice, yeah. right? Like, um, I don't sacrifice anything. Mm. Like, really. Mm. Like, I, I live a pretty good life. Like, the, I think the the difference between potentially someone who is more commercially successful than someone else is the person who's less commercially successful um, probably doesn't dedicate as much time to that part of their life than than someone who is, right? And I wouldn't say that's sacrifice. I think it's more of a choice. Definitely a choice more yeah. than a sacrifice. Can I rephrase the question then? Do you felt you've had to forego happiness in the moment of achieving success or do you feel like it's been worth all the the experiences you've gone through in attaining a level of success? It, has it been worth it or do you feel at times it's sure. overridden or overtaken? I think that if it wasn't, if, if I wasn't chasing commercial success and there was, there's highs and lows, then you'd be chasing something else. Like you're right always across. chasing something, right? Mm. A lot of people are chasing women or women are chasing guys, right? Takes up a lot of their time. Um, you know, you could ask that person if you had one partner, would you be wasting so much time chasing? You know, because mm. when you chase part, when you're chasing, um, you know, one, a male or a female, either either, um, you're sacrificing or not doing things in other parts of your life. It's the fucking full time job. Like <laughs> it is. You know, like if you're a single guy or girl and you're out there chasing tail. It's, it's like Instagram, like you're always messaging people, you're liking, you're going on dates, you're not getting to bed at a good time, you're drinking, you're going mm. out for dinners. Like it becomes a fucking full-time thing. Mm. And while you do that, you're making the choice to spend a lot of your time to give you happiness in that moment, right? Because usually for a guy, when you're chasing a girl, you're chasing her to have a fuck and that's mm. it. Like that's the reality. Mm. Um, I sound like Andrew Tate, don't I? <laughs> Blob the internet. Let's no, go. Like, well, and that's the thing, right? So, like, you're you're forgoing, um, you know, happiness in other areas of life just because you want to chase that, and then all of a sudden mm. you become shallow and you get over it, and yeah. So, how do you know when you're making the right choice? You don't. <laughs> hmm. You just you just make the choice with the information that you have at the point in time, right? So. There's all this stuff where it's like you shouldn't make decisions when you're angry and you shouldn't make decisions when you're sad and you always should, you know, think about things before you're like, you know, awesome. Mm. You just have to make the decision and be confident in the decision that you're making with all of the information that you have readily available mm. to you. So, yeah. um, you know, and then you realize after the fact whether it was the right decision, whether it was the wrong decision or whether it was a decision that could have been, you know, better. Because so, I've made a lot of decisions um, and there have been the right decisions, but they could have been made or structured in a better way, you know? So what happens when you make the wrong decision and it's a not, it, it's, it's something that throws you off your game and you have to readjust. How do you, how do you navigate that? Um, 
you just be fully accountable. It's like, you know, like the thing I was talking about before, I made the wrong decision, I admit that, but it doesn't affect anyone else other than me. So why the fuck does anyone else care or have an mm. opinion about it? It's my decision. I shouldn't mm. have done it. The end, you mm. know? Um, and it's like you're never going to make the right decision every single time, mm. you know? And, and I think a lot of the... Re- you make decisions based on a lot of past events that have happened in your life because you collate all that data to go, I made the decision that was right at the time. That You know, everything was right and wrong at that time. You collate all those decisions that you've made and that helps you make better decisions moving forward. Toby Pierce talked about um, on my podcast recently about how, you know, the, the, the quality of the decisions you make form how successful your life is, right? One bad decision can literally, you know, forego a lot of hard work that you've made and one good decision mm. can dramatically change the trajectory of your life so um i think you know reiterating what, what toby said is you, you the quality of decisions are very very important but the only way you make good quality decisions is by making a lot of decisions in the past where you can have information to work out well you know this is have a going to be a higher probability of being right than it is of being wrong mm. what do you think from Doing the like the doors and the goners. You've talked about this on your podcast. Mm. Um, the distinction between people who say they're going to do something and people who just actually pull the trigger. What would you say is the big thing holding a lot of people back from actually achieving their goals or their ambitions? Probably discipline and uh, um, and fear. I would say, like you know, I said I'm going to run a hundred k run this this year gonna do that i haven't done it yet and the reason i haven't done it is because i can't be fucked doing the training to run 100 k's you know so it's like so you're gonna do it yeah i'm gonna do it yeah <laughs> and now every week i leave it i fucking gets further and further away and then i just see ned brockman ran oh no four thousand k's and it makes me feel like a piece of shit what a nutcase you know but the reason i haven't done that and it's a gunner not a doer or done is because i you know, I, I, mm. I have not disciplined enough or haven't been disciplined enough to do the training and commit my life to like that part of my life to doing the training that you needed to be able to do that run, you know. And, and um, on, on the other spectrum, if I look at things that I haven't done because of fear, um, you know, probably firing people for example like inside of the company you know you you say i'm gonna do this but you don't do it because there's a level of fear behind it breaking i'm gonna break up with this person you know you say you're going to do it but you don't do it because there's a level of fear um you know if you look at it from a more commercial sense like um i'm you know going to buy property or going to you know start my own business or whatever it is but there's a level of fear as to why you don't do it. So I think it's probably discipline and and then, you know, the other spectrum is, you know, you have fear as to why you don't do things. And again, mm. that's usually formed from past experiences in your life or from mm. your mother and father or something. And how do you overcome fear in, in that moment of making a decision? Um, alcohol is a good way to... <laughs> <laughs> you just don't think. You I, don't give a f- I just don't give a... I just don't, don't give, give a, a fuck. fuck. Um... <laughs> You know, you probably don't make the best quality decisions when you do that. But um, usually, like, the driver has to outweigh the negative of not doing it, right? So um, my lack of fear with accumulating debt and buying assets and growing a company is because I don't want to be poor and broke. So I fear being poor and broke more than I fear going broke, like going bankrupt or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, That's more scary to me being average and 
not having a cool life and not being able to do it well and not living up to my potential as well. I think, you know, you need to have a confidence in what you're doing and, and you know, the more you the more you reiterate or the, for me personally, the more that I've said something and reiterated what I've said by doing the actions and achieving what I said I was going to do, mm. it gives you more confidence, right? Yeah, it gives definitely. you more confidence to say things and then back it up and then say things and back it up. Um, where if you say things and don't back it up, you probably then have low confidence or low self-esteem because you don't even believe your own word. Yeah. And I have that in some parts of my life for sure. Um, but, you know, commercially, I usually do what I say I'm going to do. Yeah. So this 100K run that you say you're going to do, mm. I, I struggle to understand why someone wants to run 100 kilometers. <laughs> Prove to myself I can do it. You know, that's is, really, that the re- is that the real reason? Yeah, well, I did the marathon and then like the marathons last year and then this year I was like, oh, well, what can I do? That was, And I didn't set the goals very strategically. I just doubled everything I did last year and thought that was a good idea. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'll run two marathons and I'll run two ultra marathons. Well, Daniel and I did the one ultra marathon, which was fucked up. <laughs> um, but it was good. Like at the end of it, it was, you know, it was a really good self uh, sense of achievement. It was such a fun trip as well. Yeah. You know, and I think like running the 100Ks, again, it's like it's it's going to be very uncomfortable and painful while you're doing it. But that sense of achievement after it going, fuck, I said I was going to do that and I did it is, is you know, more long lasting than the pain mm. of having sore legs and, you know, and, 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 you know, whatever else you get when you run. What did you learn from running your first ultra marathon? Um, that Daniel's a little bitch. <laughs> 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 uh, did you finish? Uh, yeah, he finished. Uh, he finished. He, he, just, he, 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 he smashed me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, I don't know, man. Like it's it, it's probably harder than what we anticipated it to be. Um, you didn't think it was going to be really fucking hard? <laughs> not I no, well, like I was like, oh, I ran a marathon. Marathons are hard, but it's not like you know that hard. And we were doing a lot of running too, like last year, and and even now, like I just thought it was going to be a bit easier than what it was. Um. <laughs> You know, it fucking took a long time. Like, I felt like we were running forever. It? <laughs> Bro, it was 5 hours and 40 minutes for me to finish. What time did you finish it in? 5.20, I think. I don't think anyone understands, like, how difficult what Ned did is. Like, I don't... Anyone who hasn't ran a marathon before yeah. had to, wouldn't be wouldn't able to comprehend how hard that is for two reasons. One, the distance he was running every day and two, how you feel for a week after running a marathon, let alone two and a half marathons every day for 40 fucking seven days or whatever he did. Yeah, um, it's unreal. Because like it's just, I don't know. People uh, anyway. That's probably one of the biggest achievements. Yeah, like imagine, uh, like imagine how he feels now. Like not like yeah. in, mentally. Mm. He's saying saying that he was going to do that and actually doing it. Mm. You, like bulletproof mindset. It reiterate it, it. It reflects in all aspects of your life. Then it's not just the running. Like he, he literally would now believe I can do whatever the fuck I want. If I say I'm going to do something, I will do it. I can generally do it. Yeah, which you know shows in a lot of areas of of your life. You have you start to get really strong self esteem. I think. Yeah. Would you give it a crack? What he did. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> It'd be just coming down to prioritizing. Yeah, it, again, it? like priority. What is my priority to run across Australia? Like I have no urge to do that. Mm. I, I like the fact that he like did it. I think that's incredible. But mm. for me, the benefit that I would get out of it probably wouldn't weigh up. You know, other than like the mindset thing would be awesome. Mm. Like, you know, I don't really have an urge to do that. 
does that mindset wane? Like, is it like motivation where you listen to a motivational video, pumps you up for five minutes and then five minutes later you're back to normal? Like when you do this sort of stuff, does it, do you, do you reset after a day, your mind? Um, like fitness with fitness stuff. I'm mm. not, I don't like fitness. Mm. Like it's a little punish for me to do something fitness related. It's not enjoyable to me. Yeah. I don't enjoy getting up early in the morning, going for a run or like going to the gym. You know, I'd rather do other shit. I would rather make three TikTok videos or, you know, do something like that. So that's, you always feel good after it. Mm. Um, but like naturally in, in other aspects of my life, then, if I don't drink or, you know, do anything else, I'm pretty like consistent with my thinking and, and motivation and probably stronger. Like my mind is stronger than if I was to have drinking that because then you go through those highs and lows and the mm. fluctuations. Yeah. What has been your – have you got a success formula for yourself? Yeah, fucking get up early, don't drink, go to work at 7, get home at 7 and just do consistent stuff day in, day out like – it's not, yeah, that's it. Do you do? Do you ever find that like do you? Is it uh, boring? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's not fun. Like, <laughs> no. What, what do you think the the market's changed dramatically from last year till now? And it's been the first time in in, in quite a while we've seen a market so turbulent um, as we are now. It, what are the biggest learnings you've had from seeing a you know a crazy crazy market and then? Coming back straight back down to zero. What are your biggest learnings? Um, <clears throat> never be relying on someone else to give you business. Yep. Fuck referral partners. That's always been your philosophy, hasn't it? Yeah. Like, why would you be at the mercy of someone else? Blows my mind. You know. So I think a lot of people who were very referral based, who now their referral partners' business has dried up, that directly affects their business, and it just reiterated to me, um, like how powerful brand is. I could have zero refer to partners and I'd be eating steak and caviar every day, which is a powerful position to be in, right? And if that mm. can just continue to grow and grow and grow, like that's, a, that's an awesome feeling. Um, so having a business that's not reliant on someone else, um, I'm a big believer in. And referrals are just a great addition to that, both from past clients and from, you know, partners. That's um, the cherry on top. Yeah, it should be the, the cream as opposed to your whole business where a lot of people are the other way. It's like, oh, just, let's just be fully referral based. Mm. But I'm sick of licking asses. You know, it's not really my thing. Um, Don't like a good Remy. I think, you know, it's when you're growing a business and you're not running on real fat margins because you're reinvesting a lot of money back into your business, you know, it only takes a month or two to have a dramatic shift in your cash position and that directly affects your mindset of thinking mm. scarcely as opposed to more abundantly. Um so that was a big change, you know, going from doing hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to all of a sudden having an interest rate rise in May and then, you know, for the next month or two having a very different couple of months was um, somewhat stressful. Um, you soon work out, I think, from a team perspective, like who's on the boat for the right reasons and who's on the boat for the wrong reasons. You know, when things get a little bit tough, it's like, well... Fuck the boat, let's jump off. <laughs> you know, so that's that's interesting. And I think that's interesting like in all aspects of my life. I've been thinking about that a lot recently. You know, like people are there when they want to be there and not there when they don't want to be there, which is totally fine. You have to be okay with that. But I, you know, not like actually being okay with that and not not being okay with that. So um, so you you're talking about how you know you're managing the mark you're making hundreds of thousands of dollars one month, then the next month 
who knows, you might lose money. How that's going to be super stressful. And to a lot of people, that's going to keep them up at night. How do you manage that? Get stressed and I usually just pull something out of my ass. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like it's so weird. Every time that I've been in some sort of financial stress and it happens consistently, you know, because I overextend myself with, you know, I'm not, not, I'm not afraid to say it because if you don't do that, then, um, you know, you, you're not going to grow as fast and as much as you should. But, you know, I go through <clears throat> times where I'm extremely abundant and I go through my times where I'm very scarce and, the reason mm. for both of those things is because I either haven't gone hard enough when I'm super abundant or I've gone too hard when I'm scarce. Um, yeah, and it stresses you the fuck out, mm. you know? Like I had a property settlement that was like a $6 million property settlement at the start of this year. Um, and, you know, two weeks before settlement, they lowered the LVR from 70% to 50% and I had to come up with $1.2 bucks cash <laughs> in about two weeks. I also aye. bought, a, you know, I bought another property um, and again, underestimated the impact that Christmas has on a business like us. Um, you know, I was at an EO event in New Zealand recently and there's a company called Whoop over there, which is essentially the HelloFresh of New Zealand, $50 million a year business, big business, right? Big business. And, and, and same thing with him. He, you know, went through and Nat, like when, when you have a business like that, it's like subscription based essentially. And um, people go away at Christmas time, so they don't want your subscription mm. base. So all of a sudden, your revenue goes from being you know, fifty million bucks a year. It's you know four million dollars a month in December. Like say, let's say you were doing five million dollars a month or six million dollars a month all the way up into December, and then you do three hundred thousand that month. It's going to make a huge impact, right? On even though you've had a consistent month, you've been reinvesting all of those, not considering what's going to happen in December. And I made that mistake last year of like, I just thought October, November, and December would be the same. Um, had a property settlement coming up in the end of January, you know, didn't have a strong cash flow month, December, January. And then all of a sudden I was like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to come up with 200 grand, you know, and I had to borrow money from people like, yeah. um, to be able to make that settlement. Again, it's great to have people to lean on like that. Mm. Um, but again, you find a way, right? Mm. Um, yeah, but fuck, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Like you just got to continue. I think that you, you can probably not go as hard as, you know, I go like mm. as extreme, um, but it's just my personality, and I, and I truly believe that's why I will, you know, hit a bill. Like, yeah, because if I'll, I'll either go one or two ways, you <laughs> know, I'll be a Billy, or I'll be like, fuck, I'll be hanging out the Wolf Force Caravan parks. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. for gold. Mm. You know what? It's funny. I actually one thing when you ask that question that I've learned through this process is not being attached to your goals too much and, and your what you want to do 100% of the time for example like when Eddie Piddington said sometimes you you got to do work because you've got to do work and then sometimes you'll pick a core area because you, you're passionate and you love it when the markets change it's gone from owner occupier dominant marketplace to now investors as our mm, primary source of for sure main clientele um, one thing I've learned is being able to change your solution based on the problems that are arising in the marketplace rather than I'm only going to serve this problem because I only want to have this solution to offer. Mm. That's one thing I've learned. I don't, that's true. I, I feel the same way. Like, especially when you're talking about goals and not being attached to it. Like I set, I set some pretty hefty goals at the start of this year, not expecting to see what we've seen. And obviously we're well, well off the bat of a lot of them. And 
man, if you're so attached to that, I didn't even know how I'd be able to function. Like you go back a couple of years ago when I was so goal focused and so goal driven, if I didn't hit something, especially that far away, I'd be in depths of depression right now. Like it's, I think it's good to have goals and set your goals, but yeah, definitely don't be so attached to it at the same time. And I'm no, attached to my goals. Oh, do you, you still set massive goals? Like, For sure, yeah. So how, mean, how, do you, how do you manage that then? Do you just say, fuck it, it's, it, yeah. it is what it is? I think, and then you sub- I try and substantiate to myself as to why I haven't hit a certain goal, right? Like I haven't hit my revenue target for this mm. year, but there's been a lot of other positives that have come off the back of it. So I was like, yeah, you didn't hit this one, but yeah. you know, you've, you've, you've done well here. Um, but I think you need to have the goals because it then dictates the kind of person you are, the, mm. the kind of activities that you do. The trajectory um, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, like I think it's pretty important. To have me. goals, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and also to be attached to those goals, okay. right? Because, like, again, it comes back to, like, doing what you say you're going to do as opposed to, you know, not doing what you say you're going to do. Um, do you not think there's a way to be attached but not be so emotionally attached? Yeah, I mean, you can't have your self-worth tied up in them. Um, mm. Well, I can't have my self-worth tied up in them. Um, but I also think that if you set, you know, I think people usually set goals wrong as well. Like I set my goals this year wrong. I just went, I didn't factor in all the external factors and I just thought my trajectory is this. Well, that's what next year will look like. But I didn't think about what happens if the marketplace changes? What happens if X or Y happens? You know, um, I just went, let's double everything. That's what I did. Yeah. Did and what that, you did. And again, we set goals the wrong way. Yeah. So it's good that we set the goals, but we shouldn't have set them the way we do. Yeah. Um, but then I think fully detaching from those goals and going, ah, oh, fuck, it is what it is. The market is what it is. Like, just hit whatever numbers I want to hit. Mm. Um, you know, it's probably the for me the wrong mindset. It's like, okay, well, the market's harder. We just have to do more. You know, you know, I got on TikTok this year, which I wasn't on last year, and you know that again dramatically shifted my business. Where I think if last, if this year was the same as mm. last year, I wouldn't have done that because I was swimming in money. You know, so you like, you know, you do things because you have to do those things if you still want to continue on the journey that you're on. And that's been, yep. you know, p- pretty pivotal for my personal brand and the business, I think. Um, yeah, but I think having uh, and having like pretty clear direction as to where you're heading, you know. So I know in my head that if I want to hit this, um, you know, developing goal of mine and have a global organization, I need to be doing daily, I need to be doing, sorry, daily activities um that are going to get me to that goal um and you know then the way you live your life reflects around that definitely makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah and even things like this you know like i know there's going to be people on the bull rush rally that are gonna or could not gonna that could help me to get closer to the goals Mm. that i want to hit yeah so again the, the the way that i will you know go about this week will be in line with that yeah uh, and just touching on TikTok because you just brought it up. I know we've briefly spoken about it, but you're blowing up right now. How much time do you invest per day on TikTok? Not that much. Not 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 consuming content, but creating content. Yeah, I don't really consume a great deal at all. Um, I, I only consume things to get ideas. Like, um, but I, I don't know. Not not that much. Maybe like an hour. Yeah. Like half an hour for like depends what kind of post I do. You know, if I'm like. The thing that takes time is like, oh, that's a good idea. And then like going and if I do like a green screen post where I'm like talking over the top of a photo, then I've got to go screenshot all the photos, get them all, you know, correctly, find all the photos mm. that I want in there. Um, so that takes, you know, it can take half an hour, but yep. 
I mean, Daniel, I had a chat recently and I was like, well, sure, it can take half an hour, but it's a high leverage task because in half an hour, how many calls could you make? 30 to 50 maybe. Um, in half an hour, making a TikTok, I can reach 700,000 people. Mm. That's, you know, a pretty high leverage activity. Yeah. So it makes sense to do that. Yeah. Why do you think everyone's so afraid to jump, jump on TikTok? Because people are insecure, man. Like, fucking jump in my comments, make you want to kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> serious like if it's you're, true, if you're man. a person that's upset like fuck man people are like yeah. savages yeah but it's like a yeah. reflection again like look in the mirror you yeah. know like you, you're projecting onto me what you don't like about yourself yeah um, i've never been able to comment on someone's post and write a negative comment i don't know even imagine how, to be how able sad to do that. man those people are they must be fucked mm. up in their head yeah huge yeah so i agree um but again Unfortunately, those bums aren't paying my bills. So, Mate, Javan, right. let, let's let's snip this up and then just privately DM everyone on Jack's comments. <laughs> Javan, what questions would you have for Jack yourself? Okay, uh, I guess since you're so young, again, a few years older than me, what would you say for something like someone our age who's not a high earner immediately and then can switch into building a portfolio I wasn't Great a high question. earner. Like when I started, I was on probably similar money to what you're on, I would say. Um, like when I started, start, not in real estate. Oh, actually, when I started in real estate, I was earning zero dollars because I didn't get paid from anyone. Um, but when I started in construction, like you know, if you're a construction laborer, I was probably earning 60 ish grand a year, 70 grand a year in my first year, I would say. Um, and naturally, like that was a job where you just had to work more hours to get paid more. So I just did more overtime. I worked Saturdays and I was able to make more money. So, you know, for someone like yourself, you can work here but then like you've got saturdays and sundays free we could probably earn a couple of grand on a weekend if you shot some stuff or dms and people on instagram and like actually wanted it you know i mine was just different i was like if i wanted i just say i want an overtime shift and work eight hours on a saturday um uh you know but then again it's probably like a goal thing like just being able to understand what you want like why do you want to grow a portfolio i don't want to grow a portfolio because i fucking love to have debt like my mortgages are a lot of money. I could spend that money on a lot more fun stuff, but it's like it, the reason you're doing it is for a bigger, bigger thing. Mm. Um, uh, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it is, uh, I think one of the things that I, cause I, something I don't understand is like, why do I think like this, but they don't think like that, you know? And, and I, and Toby Pierce spoke about it a little bit, but it's like maybe understanding the way to think, like, cause if you're like, I want to earn whatever, or I want to do X or Y, like you have to know how to think to be able to do that. If that makes sense. You're like, well, if I want to do that, how can I actually do that? So when I think about something, I'm like, oh, well, I'd love to do that. I then process it and be like, okay, well, this is, I'd have to do this. I'd have to do this. And I think that's come from like doing a lot of podcasts, interviewing a lot of people, um, you know, trying working things out on my own as well. Like when I got into real estate, it was just me. So like, you know, learning something from someone and then implementing that. So if you wanted to be like, okay, I want to earn $500,000 this year for, let's just use that for an example. Like it sounds like a big number, but like you have to firstly believe that it's achievable and be like, oh, how the fuck can I do that? Okay. Well, if I did, you know, 50 jobs this year, that were a thousand dollars a job, that's 50 grand. Okay. Well, that's not going to get me to my goal. So how do I do more? Maybe I've got to employ someone. Maybe I've got to DM and get a bigger job. Like, you know what I mean? Like you've got to actually, and then implement the, that stuff. Um, 
I don't know if that answered the question. That answered the fucking question. That did. I think it did. It did. And, and I think it's the same as uh, the same thing as like if like most agents listen. Is it agents that listen to this? Yeah, mainly. Yeah. Yeah, like um, with agents again, they like. I don't think if you're a, an associate, for example, in someone's team, you know, like people need to understand for themselves. Sure, someone can guide them, but they need to understand for themselves how do I get from here to here over the next two years? Like how do I get out of this person's team and start doing it for myself? Well, these are the things that I need to do to be able to get there on a daily basis. And, um, you know, it's not just doing the calls. It's also being able to build a brand. It's also having a meeting with someone that may not even have anything to do with real estate before work. You know, if you started at eight, you've got a lot of hours before eight to be able to do that. You know, it is cold DMing someone on Instagram being like, hey, bro, I love that podcast that you're on the weekend or whatever it is. You know, like it's doing all of these things because you know in your mind by doing a lot of those things, it will compound over time and it will get you there and then actually believing that that's going to work, right? Solid, yeah. Does that make sense? Like if you if you go, okay, I've got to do all of these things and then actually do them because you know that it's going to get you there. Mm. Like two years later, if you did them for two years, yeah. you, I think your life would be a lot of di- uh, very different. It's same with content. Like people don't do content because they post one video, they have 2,000 followers and it gets 100 views. Mm. I'm like, fuck this, bro. That took a, lot, a long time. But if I said you do that every single day for the next four years mm. and in four years' time you'll be getting 10,000 views per video... And it was guaranteed they would do it. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's the hard thing. It's it's that that, that delay gratification bit where we're such in a high paced world and it's now 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 they don't want to have to wait for that for, for the reward, right? Mm. But when it comes down to it, it, the thing, the hard thing that people have to well, that they have a hard time wrapping their head around is with the delay gratification, it's not guaranteed. So they go, well, I'm going to put in four years of effort, but it's not guaranteed. Mm. so that, that that's the hard bit i think some people it's true to get and i think yeah. there's the self-belief part as well right like i think when i do things it is guaranteed that's yeah. how i think i'm like if i fucking do this mm. it'll definitely do so to give you an idea i was just thinking about something like how can i explain the decision making matrix so for example i just thought about something that i did so i wanted to get closer to chris gray and his friends right so i was um 18 or 19 and I bought the lunch to go and have lunch with Chris. It was like a one hour mentoring session. It was 1500 bucks. 1500 bucks when you're only making 1200 bucks a week is a lot of money. Um, so I bought the lunch with him. It's an 18 year old kid working in construction. We had lunch at Willamaloo Wharf when I lived out west. It was a big deal, bro. I fucking <laughs> rolled in there. I had a Ralph Lauren top on. Parked my, parked my green Holden. Nice. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, I had the lunch and I was like, fuck, now how do I like continue this relationship? Right? How can it not just be Mm-hmm. one thing um anyway so naturally every time i'd meet someone i'd add them on social media i'd add everyone as a friend on facebook and then i was like okay well i've just got to stay relevant so i'd like and comment on all of their shit so my name kept popping up everywhere then i was like okay i'm doing mortgage like i'm getting loans um but at the moment they've just been with the anz bank so how do i get like loans with someone who's then connected to other people so i was like bang there was a mortgage broker that was like really popular on social media um so i was like okay i'm gonna get my loans through that person because they're gonna help me right because they know a lot of people i'll do something they'll tag me in their post comes like oh who the fuck is jack anderson guys that's how i thought so it's like bang and then um lewis who was one of chris's business partners bought a share in a 32 foot chris craft which is a boat about a half a million dollar boat he bought a share and wanted to sell half of his share and put it on facebook 
I saw that and I was like, that's my fucking ticket to get closer to them. If I buy a boat with this guy, mm. we're going to be an owner of a boat together. So I got a personal loan of like 30 grand or something, Fuck. bought this boat. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 19 or 20 or something. What was I, the interest on that? I don't know. Who gives a fuck? Because that's what I think. I'm like, who cares yeah. about the interest, mm. right? And I bought the I bought a share in a boat. And I was like, fuck yeah. Bro, within two weeks, I was out in the boat with Chris and Lewis. I was like, oh, no way. genius. And then... That um, is genius. That's killer. And then, uh, you know, from there, you know, I did, a lot, I did a lot of shit like that. You know, I was like, okay, so how can I... Again, joining the dots while I'm in it. Like, you know, instead of reflecting back, joining the dots, I was like, how can I get from here to here? Um Anyway, so I went to the mines in Newcastle. Then I was in Newcastle and I was like, okay, so I need to meet, like I need to, I need to continue to build my brand. So I was doing a lot of podcasts in Sydney. I was like a property investor, but then I needed to continue that when I moved to Newcastle when I was 21. So then I was like, okay, who's the best real estate agents in Newcastle? Mark Kentwell, number one. Okay, well, let's just fucking add Mark Kentwell and start commenting all his shit. Bang. Then <laughs> really? I was like, hey, yeah. And then I was like, you want to have breakfast? Had breakfast and then... And I was like, that's when I started wow. to do the podcasts and shit. So I was like, okay, well, if I can ask people to be on my podcast, great. So then I you know, was like, hey, Mark, let's do an interview. Interviewed him. And then, you know, naturally, Mark's my business partner and all the rest of it. Um, the car, the bull rush thing, right? The cars. I was like, I had a, when I started, when I started in real estate, I was in a no birds hire car because I sold my car and I couldn't afford to buy a Mercedes. So I was like, fuck, I'll just hire a car until I can afford to buy one. Um but then I was like, okay, so I bought the Mercedes and then I started to do well and I was like, fuck, okay, so if I want to get closer to high net worth individuals, it's much easier when you're on the level playing field as them because whether you have a $300,000 car at this event or you have a million dollar car, you're the same because you all have one thing in common, it's a level playing field. So I bought the R8. I couldn't afford the R8 when I bought it. I didn't have a garage where I parked it on the street in Coogee. Oh. But the R8 did two things, perceived perception from everyone else was like, fuck, this guy's killing it. So my personal brand grew. Plus then all mm. of a sudden, you know, I met all the guys at Scuderi Graziani and Jack Anderson bought a car for me. You're on their Facebook and Instagram. I'm doing the bull rush rally, you know, and it's mm. like doing lots of things like that. Um, do podcasts with someone who exited out of a big company. He's got tens of millions of dollars sitting in the bank account, you know, hundreds sees, of millions. sees me in, in, um, you know, all over social and goes, fuck, this guy knows about property. And I was like, oh, I know about property. You've got money. Let's join the two together and let's do some developments. Bang. And, you know, it's like always being strategic about the reason that you're doing things, I think is, is that that's why I was talking about like understanding how you're going to get from here to here. Mm. You know, that's what that's something I've been very good at all the time. Yeah. You're a master of networking and there's no playbook for this. How do you know what to do? with this stuff like how do you learn just give anything a crack yeah yeah i, I don't know it's something i'm good at i guess like mm. um yeah like piecing the puzzle together you know now i'm trying to work out how to hit the billion dollar valuation in my head like i'm trying to work out how much like how, i haven't worked it out yet but i'm trying to work out like how how much you need a billion dollars of net assets right to be a billionaire but you don't need a billion dollars of um of revenue to be a billionaire because you have a multiple of revenue. Um, a lot of people, you know, might have $10 million of revenue but have a hundred times multiple on that 10 mil, hence the reason they get the valuations of what they do. Mm. A lot of these tech billionaires are not actually worth that much mm. money because they'd have to sell their company and the shares in the company actually can't do that. Anyway, but now I'm trying to decipher in my head, like, how do I hit a bill? Mm. 
And once I work that out, which I'm close to, then I go, okay, well, I've got to build something that's going to give me that. Mm. And there's the bill. Mm. Why bill? I don't know. It seems like a logical next step. Yeah. <laughs> why, why do you, I think I'm already guaranteed 100 mil. Yeah. Easy. Like in my yeah. life, I'm you'll guaranteed getting, 100 mil from yeah. here. Mate, you don't even have to do anything and you'll get there. Yeah, I think so. Like I've only got to acquire a small amount of real estate and hold more it, yeah. and yeah. hold it and I, I will hit 100 mil. Yeah. So the, this, this- But that's m- like, I want to hit a bill. I'm like, and again, it's like the self-confidence thing, you know, like going, mm. fuck, okay, well, I've done this now. Mm. And all you have to do is multiply what I've already done. Yeah. And do it faster um, to hit the bill. You didn't grow up around money. So why do you, uh, what, what spurred this motivation on? Uh, fuck, I don't know. I always, just, I was very jealous and a liar when I was young, a lot. Like, so I always wanted what we didn't have when I was a kid and I always used to lie of what we did have and then I'd get caught out. They'd be like, hey, Jackie and Rob, do you got, have you got this? And they'd be like, no, we don't have that. <laughs> like, fuck you, mum. Yes, we do. <laughs> In my head, we do. <clears throat> um, You know, and it probably like, you know, it was like a big insecurity of mine. Fuck knows why, you know, just was. Um, and I don't know. I just want to scratch that itch. Yeah. I wanted to scratch that itch. Now I've scratched it. So do you, feel, that was the driver originally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you're living a life to fill an insecurity or is it now at a stage where you are doing things out of ambition and, uh, fulfillment? The insecurity is full now. I can buy whatever the fuck I want. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not fucking a mega millionaire, but mm. like I can go buy the car if I want to go buy the car. I've got to pay for it naturally, but I could do it. Or I can, I can go buy a fucking Rolex if I want a Rolex. Like I would not enjoy buying it. It'd make me upset spending that much money on it, but I can do it, you know? And I think when you, and that was the thing with the cars, like the cars are not exciting to me anymore, you know, because I've had the cool cars and I know I can do it now. I've scratched yeah, that itch yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay, I can do it. You know what I mean? So it's like not, I think it's when you do it and you prove to yourself that you can do it then you're like, oh, okay, fuck, I can do it. Yeah, And I think that's the thing now with like, I want to hit a bill for two reasons. One, because to hit that, you've got to become a certain person, right? Which is pretty cool. Like people who get to that level are fucking mm. smart guys, you know, and they've, they've, they've cracked the code. Um, I think you can get to even 100 mil, like just you don't have to be that great of mm. assets, you know, and like not business, like to hit a hundred million dollar <clears throat> a year in business is very, mm. very fucking hard, especially a service-based business. But in assets, like, you know, you have some good acquisitions. Like there's a lot of people that have made a lot of money just from luck. They bought something, rezoning mm. happened. Like, yeah. like you go out West, you know, and all these farmers fucking sold their farms like 30 or 40 mil, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, but like it probably started out as an insecurity. But again, now like... I've got nothing to be insecure about. You know, yeah. I think I, the, the thing that I love the most is I am reliant on zero people, you know, and that's not being egotistical. I, I don't mm. need anyone in my life. Yeah. That's a good feeling. It's a powerful place to be. A lot of people need people in their life and they take shit from people because they need those people, right? And it's mm. like, oh, okay, well, I won't do that. And I think not needing anyone. Um, I'm not saying I don't need, you know, of course you need but people But you can be a true life. self at that point too. Yeah, I think so. I think so. You know, like as a real, you imagine if you're a real estate agent for the rest of your life, like you need people in your life because you, you need vendors. Even if you don't like those vendors, you got to pretend to like them. Um, you know, like if you're an employee of a company, you don't like your boss a lot of the time, but you need to like him or pretend to like him because he pays your fucking bills, you know, like 
um, I think it's a, it's a good feeling knowing that, you know, maybe you wouldn't be able to live at the level that you're living if you didn't have certain people in your life, but you can not need certain people in your life and pull your lifestyle back. Yeah. Mm. You know, like I think, yeah, that's yeah. something I think about a lot. I agree. Yeah, like you're pretty much at a stage where if you wanted to, you could travel the world and just do science. So my business yourself. My my whole like thing now is like I could have no staff and just be Jack Henderson on mm. like my social channels and make more than enough money to never need anything again, right? Mm. Yeah. Like just because of, you know, the brand that I've built so far. I mean, fuck, if so, I do something fucking stupid, super dumb and fuck all that up. Yeah. <laughs> then I might... Uh, but it's his know, brand. Uh, yeah. The brand. Yeah. And I think I look at people like Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone and stuff like that, you know, like, fuck, it's a powerful feeling, man. Like, yeah. you don't need anyone. Yeah. Like, you don't even know it's called VaynerMedia, just know Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. Like, you, just, you can do anything you want. You literally need no one. And then obviously by having assets on your side as well like knowing that if all went wrong you could sell down some assets have some capital you know what i mean like and not be on the you know on your ass i think that's pretty important Mm, i agree that was a good podcast cracker potty thanks jack wasn't really about real estate was it i I don't think it was anything about real estate stealed out my heart (laughs) (laughs) wait cracker Uh, thanks hendo no worries boys thank you appreciate it my man Oh, what's your what's your last say? Just give me one more bit of something. That was good. Um, I don't know. You got me at a good time. I've been thinking about a lot of shit over the last yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, this has been really good. I'm enjoying learning this. Um, this. What's like the last thing that was marinating that you thought you'd be? The last thing that at? was marinating in my head today was when I was listening to the podcast on the way up, and that guy was talking about sacrifice, and I'm like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Like, we don't know anything about sacrifice. Like, no. no. You know, like, we know nothing about sacrifice at all. No. And I don't even know, like, what the people who sacrifice know about sacrifice. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just, just picking cra- a it's different just like, option. It's just, like, crazy to think that we live such a different life to, like, 90% of the world's population. Mm. And I don't even know the life that they live as well. Like, you know, I can't put myself in their shoes and go, fuck, they live a crazy life. And, yeah, I just, I just heard that this morning and it really, like, Ticked my brain, and then I turned the podcast off and just started thinking the whole way back to the whole way back to Sydney. I was like, "It's true. We don't know sacrifice, bro." Like, fuck. Oh, sorry, I didn't. I chose uh, chose not to go out this weekend and save my money. Like, Shut the fuck up. Yeah, what type of sacrifice <laughs> yeah. is that? And I probably said that before as well. I probably said like, "Oh, I sacrificed this and I sacrificed that," but the reality is, I didn't sacrifice. I made a choice to do something else as opposed to what I could have done. Yeah. Um, fuck. And yeah. now you know. That was good, man. Thanks, bro. Thanks, Hendo. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah.